tying run is now at third. The go-ahead run with Bradley Zimmer now at first base. With Merrifield as John Snyder flexes the depth of his bench. Swings at the first pitch, bounds the ball. Inside the third base bag and up the left field line. The game is tied. Zimmer's flying around the bases. He's going to score. Whit Merrifield powers the Blue Jays back on top. 3-2 Toronto. Uh, well, I mean, it was a big big moment, a big game. Um, that was kind of really what was going through my head. It was a big moment, a big game. So, um, you know, it's nice to contribute, nice to do something positive. And, but uh, in that moment, I was just thinking, trying to get something to drive. And, uh, Please get it here. Please get it here. Work out. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. Whit Merrifield. Please get a hit. Please That's what everybody hit. else was thinking. I don't know what Whit Merrifield was thinking, but I guarantee you there's some I've been there. <laughs> there are some candles being lit. <laughs> Might have been some flamethrowers being open. <laughs> Jay's beating the Tampa Bay Rays 7-2 to yes. uh, split the doubleheader and make something out of a day that looked like it was going to be a mess from the start when oh. Alec Manoa couldn't go in game one because of the flu. And uh, Julian Merriweather. Uh, opened instead, and the Jays had to go to Mitch White and credit Mitch White. Somehow he stayed in the game for six innings and uh, kind of set things up nicely for the nightcap. Alec Manoa pitching the second game, doing Alec Manoa stuff, 21 of uh, 27 really good. first pitch strikes, and uh, using his slider to expand. It was just it was a really well-pitched game. And lo and behold, the Jays' offense, which... Mm-hmm. For some reason, well, Kevin, we're going we're to talk about this after we deal with Whit Merrifield. There's three things in particular about this offense that this series so far has kind of driven home. But before we get to that, let's talk about that at-bat, that pinch hit at-bat. Let's talk about how John Schneider used his bench and basically emptied his bench in the seventh inning. He had an opportunity in the fifth inning where he could have pinch hit for basically the same, no the same group of hitters if he wanted to. He didn't, saved his, uh, saved his ammo for the seventh inning and then just, you know, unloaded righty, 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 righty. And it was, I, I found it kind of intriguing because you knew what Kevin Cash was doing. Kevin Cash was going with the lefties and, and John, it was just kind of, you're going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I thought it was a really well-managed game by John Schneider and Whit Merrifield, uh, you know, comes through in a big situation. For the Blue Jays. Espinal had a good at bat. Jansen had a good at bat. Uh, you, you mentioned Whit Merrifield had a good at bat. Uh, look, it's look right down the middle when you get it. Don't miss it. That, that's what pinch hitting is all about. Don't look to your strength. Look right down the middle. That, that's how you simplify it. It's, <laughs> it's not go up and swing at the first strike, you see, because if you don't like the ball in, why would you swing at it if it's in? That's, that's not a good approach for me. You look right down the middle, and when you get it, you don't miss it. Good for him. What, coming into that at bat, he was four for his last 30. That's why whenever I was listening to that, I was laughing because I've been there to where it is when you walk to the plate. Please get a hit. Please. That's all you're saying to yourself. It's other, nothing other than that. Like it's you're trying to simplify it, and you're having a little prayer with yourself to hopefully – you're doing something to help your team. And John Snyder, uh, pinch running Zimmer for Jansen. I mean, it sounds simple, but, man, you know, a guy scoring for first, you wonder why he's on the team. Well, it's little situations like that. I don't know why team. he is. I mean, Alejandro Kirk could be the pinch runner. No question. First. How about that? I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, he's he's, he's trying. I mean, that's you, you, you want to talk your third base coach into something. By him hustling around the bases, he talked Louie into it. 
And then Louie's just running with him down the third baseline, thinking to himself, man, I hope I didn't make the wrong call. That, and, uh, and it worked out. Yeah, that seventh inning for the Blue Jays. <laughs> you want to talk about building an inning. That's probably not the perfect inning for the Blue Jays, but you had a walk, two wild pitches, a double, and then George Springer hits his first home run in whatever, 72, 74. Pitching, pitching, and more pitching. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's borderline not good pitching. It's great pitching. And this is, I don't think right now the lineup's going to carry this team. It's going to be the pitching that's going to carry this team and some good defense and some decent base running and, you know, just the lineup. I think up top, look, George Springer, is he hurt? Probably. Does it look like he's hurt? I don't know. He's playing. So if he's playing, I'm going to say he's not hurt enough that he can't play. So that's why he's playing. And he should have better at bats. So, you know, it's 11 for 64 going into the second game. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah. you know, to see him do the things that he did. I, I will say that I think good approaches are contagious. Hitting for me is not contagious. Because I think if I can't hit a breaking ball, your buddy's hitting it. You know, you're probably not going to hit the breaking ball and not get a hit. But I do think good approaches. He got a breaking ball out over the plate, a cement mixer. He didn't miss it. That's. You know, sometimes I think when you have front side pull, he looked like he's cheating a little bit. Maybe that has something to do with the elbow. Front side's opening up a little bit. That's why you see the big daddy hacks. He's trying to make up for it by taking as big a hack as he possibly can. That's just nice, right? It's When you see Vladdy doing things that we expected Vladdy to do better at, and he's not doing those things, and then George is sort of not doing things in September, and, and it's been only Bo. Oscar hasn't had any big hits lately. That's why I said it's the pitching. I mean, we, we asked who's the MVP of the team. I'm going to say this. Every pitcher on the team. How's that? Well, I I, I think we've been, it's, it's what? What's the date? It's September 14th. Yep. We got two weeks and a bit left in the season. And we're almost at the point where I don't think you wait for somebody to get hot. Nope. They're either hot. Or they're not, and and then you know it doesn't mean they're not capable of stringing some some games together. But uh, and it doesn't mean, frankly, that when you get to the postseason, you know, light switch doesn't go on. But but I'm with you. It's going to be it's going yeah. it's, it's going to be pitching. It's going to be pitching in defense. Further to that your carries point, this team is the rest of the regular season. They have a couple more games against the Rays. They got the Orioles, the Phillies. Really don't know <laughs> the Jays, so you might catch a a little hot streak there, but the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Orioles, all those teams know how to get the Blue Jays out, right? It's it's for whatever reason, I don't like the ball away. And for whatever reason, end game, they don't want to make an adjustment. Scoot close to the plate, scoot close to the pitcher, choke up. For whatever reason, they don't want to do that. And that's why it's hard in, soft away, hard in, soft away. That's why lefties sometimes can get them to expand a little bit because of that little weakness away. I wanted to ask you that. This lineup, we know that it lacks balance. We know that it lacks that impactful lefty bat. That's not going to cure what ails this team against left-handed pitching. Why does this team have so much difficulty? For easy for me against left-handed George pitching. George Springer struggles against lefties. Vladdy struggles why? against lefties. Why? Why Boba do they struggles against okay, lefties? I why do assume, they struggle <clears throat> against lefties? I would assume it has something to do with they don't face a ton of them. They get a lot of sliders a way that they're trying to stay on from a bunch of right-handed pitchers. And when you face a lefty who is hard and soft away, and you have to have a little bit better plate awareness, you know where the plate's at. you got to be able to give a side. Facing a right-handed pitcher, you know what the side is. And now you got a lefty on the mound who wants to get you out hard in off the plate to show it to you to get you out away with something soft. 
How do you do that? And that's for me, when you're, you know, you're the Springers, the Vladdies, the Bows of the world struggle a little bit sometimes of the plate awareness and trying too hard. And, you know, one guy looks like he's hurt. One guy's just trying too hard. And Vladdy, Bo is up until the last couple of weeks, he's a free swinger, you know, and you got a guy on the mound who now we'll give credit to where credit's due with the race. They can add and subtract. <laughs> mm-hmm. They get the same memo and watch the same kind of video that I watch to know that if you can establish a little something in off the plate, if they pull it foul, you know what that is? Direct one. But now I can go down and away with the changeup. And what are the Rays famous for, Jeff? Changeup. So I think that's a little has something to do with it. It's an accumulation of a bunch of things. But your superstars against certain pitchers have to be your superstars. And I do think the first three guys in your order have issues with that all year. And All right. That's one issue. How's that? Why, I- why going into last night have they had such a difficult time at the Rogers Center? That was their first, that's the most runs they've scored since the 10-3 win over St. Louis on July 26th. Going into that game last night in their last 17 games at the Rogers Center, the record was 7-10. and As a team, they were hitting 199. They were averaging under three runs a game, just a hair under three runs a game. How? Well, I mean, you're, you're asking some really good questions. Okay, well, I mean, the first thing you'd have to look at is who they've been playing. Isn't this, a hitter, isn't this the, supposed the Angel, to be a hitter-friendly park? The Angels, they don't really know anything about. The Cubs, they really don't know anything about. And we all know, it doesn't take me to come on here and say that they have issues of facing certain people that they don't know, right? They're guessers. You know it, I know it, everybody that watches the Blue Jays every single day know it. And when you don't know what to guess for, because you don't know a whole lot of teams and certain guys in the in the rotation, I think that has a little something to do with it. And I just think this part of the year, everybody knows – how every single one of these games matter and they know who they're facing and they know who they should be beating all the time and you try too hard. So I think it's accumulation of a bunch of things. And I do think, again, it gets back to when Vladdy's struggling, Springer's struggling, uh, Teoscar's struggling, Lourdes is not in your lineup. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons, right? It's, it's again, I people laugh when I say this, but it's a round thing with a round thing. You're trying to hit that, and it's not always the easiest thing to do. And you add on top of it that here come the Orioles, which nobody thought they were supposed to be anywhere near. You know, here come the Orioles. And there's a lot of expectation for the Blue Jays, so I think it's a bunch of things. And I think for me anyway, what it comes down to is the best players for the Blue Jays right now all the time are not being the best players offensively. For the Blue Jays. Seventh in baseball going into the game in ground ball rate. Seventh worst. <laughs> it gets back to that ball away. Again, it gets back to the two dudes at the top, doesn't it? Do, absolutely. I I just don't understand. I, the, the approaches, I, I've went on this rant how many times? Yeah, I can't often. go on anymore. Like, I, I just don't understand that part of it. However, they're game planning off the field, occasionally, occasionally, you have to mix it up. Like, you, you have to know that this time of the year, there's no really surprises anymore because there's such a big sample size on what Vladdy hits a ground ball to the third baseman or to the shortstop. Usually, it's the ball away with a little change of speed. He's not so much out in front because he's trying to stay through it because of where it's located. That's why he hits the ground ball to short. If it's the sinker in off the plate that they're trying to get him to chase to let him get himself out, that's the one he hits to third. If I'm Vladdy... Wouldn't I give him one of those two? Thing I can't cover the whole thing. It's just not this year. It's not in the cards for me. Take one of them. Maybe he'll mess up and hang you one. Uh, hence, George Springer. 
in the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. You get a cement mixer, you have a hanger. You don't have a, your best. That's not your best swing. Still a little out and around. Still swinging too hard. But it's a hanging breaking ball. Give them a chance to hang hang a breaking ball. That for me is the is the thing here. And uh, it's just it's just the in game approaches and the the willingness to change something up, do something different. But well, it ain't gonna happen. The pitching matchups. How's that? The pitching matchups in the next in two season. next two games are intriguing tonight in game four of this five game series. It'll be Drew Rasmussen. Uh, against Ross Stripling, and tomorrow at a 3.07 first pitch, a reminder, 3.07. Oof. Uh, what's better than Well, you're getting a lefty tomorrow. Yeah, you're getting you're getting the lefty <sighs> oh, tomorrow. Oh, man. Shane McClanahan against Kevin Gossman tomorrow. And uh, so my, my, my pick of the Jays winning four out of five is... It'll be tough. Well, is it good? No, I... It'll be, it'll be uh, last night set it up nicely. Who's last pitching for the Jays today? Stripling. Okay, he's going to have to go against seven. Rasmussen. Who's pitching tomorrow? Gossman. He's gonna have to go seven plus with we'll with like one or two runs. Can they do that? They've that's got, that's the got, thing. They've here. got Romano available. He didn't throw many pitches last night. Garcia Romano's didn't throw for the, for Gar- the eighth inning Garcia, with two outs. Garcia didn't throw many pitches last night. They're fine. I'm I'm saying about the offense. I'm not saying about the pitching. The well, pitching, you're, you're, the pitching's you're really throwing good, out the I'm number saying, of any innings I'm of starting pitchers are going to have to yeah, go. They, the, that got, means they have to go deep to give the offense a chance to have a bloop wow. and a bomb. That's yeah, the whole I point mean, there. That's, but I mean, it's not stringing together matter. hits and going the other way. It doesn't and, matter who the hell they're playing, whether it's Because what are you going to get from Drew? You're going to get uh, four-seamer elevated. You're going to get cutter, slider away. What are you going to get from uh, the lefty? You're going to get four-seamer in, elevated four-seamer with a big yacker slider and a changeup. So... Let's uh, – I want to focus on game two. The only thing really to stand out from game one was uh, Teoscar Hernandez uh, getting lulled into submission <laughs> by Randy Arena and that last at-bat between Bo and Pete Fairbairn. And I wondered about that. I wondered about that. Do you think it's possible that Bo's last at-bat – the way he ground down Fairbanks, does that basically make Fairbanks unavailable in game two? Would, I don't even know. If he, so. I don't know if he was up. I don't. I. I don't know if he got up at any point for the race. But I was wondering about that. Okay, I want to take up for Teoscar a little bit. Nobody wants to. I'm going to a little bit. I, I think that would have only that only happened because Vladdy did not cover first the way you're supposed to cover first game whatever in the middle of September, well, which was... allowed that play to actually happen. We all know how Teoscar is. So I don't need to come on here and tell everybody and remind people so what that the Vladdy baseball have done to IQ prevent Rosarena from scoring cover from first. For, cover first. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. The the third inning, you got first and second, that ground ball. If he gets that out, that's, oh, that's okay. second all and third right. yeah. with one out. Okay. You fair. get a ground ball. That's third base with two outs. You get a sack fly. That's one run instead of three runs. Okay, that's, that's two fair. nothing lead instead of a four <clears throat> nothing lead. They tie it up in the eighth inning. Maybe they win that game. And that Teoscar thing never happens. We all know how Teoscar is. Like, I don't need to come on here and tell you. People watch Teoscar. And Teoscar's costing himself tons of money by doing those things. Mm-hmm. Because it's probably not going to be the Blue Jays paying. Somebody else is going to would want to pay him. And if they watch the video and see that, would you? I mean, he's got more talent offensively than most humans do because of how far he can go right center. But then you have to deal with things like that. So, yeah, I, I, we don't want to be negative, but it is, we have said this, when you're facing really good teams and the Rays are a really good team. Now, offensively, uh, that's probably not. That's probably the reason why they're not going to go as deep as they want to go in the playoffs. 
because of the offensive side of the ball for them, in my mind. The pitching is off the charts. I mean, they can, and Kevin Cash just knows, right? Mm-hmm. He's the mad scientist. He knows everything. But it's the little things. It's the little thing because it happened to Vladdy the night before, if you remember, that cost them an RBI that he felt right. like he should have went after the ball between first and second. You don't want to do that same thing the next day. But for me, this time of the year, this is when know who's hitting, know who's pitching, know where your second baseman's standing, know if the ball bounces where I'm supposed to go. Know we get one out for sure. No doubt. So that way it's instead of three runs, it's one run. That gives you a chance against a really good team when you're not hitting the way you're supposed to be hitting. It's little things like that. Again, I'm not taking up for Teoscar, but I think one bad play led to another bad play when it that one play didn't have to lead to the other bad play. Hmm? All right. So how's that? So blame Vladdy, not Teoscar. The blame's a tough word. But I've said this to you, and I'll continue to say it. These guys are hitters first. When they're not hitting, it tends to do what? Carry Carry over over. to the other side of the ball. Now, I'm not saying he's not a better first baseman this year than he was last year. That's obvious. Like, it's night and day. You can tell. Confidence is there, all those little things. But it's the little things late or early in games, anytime. Like, one time you do it, why would you do it the next day just because you didn't do it the day before? Ah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So, and it's little things against good teams. Again, you know as well as anybody, Jeff, going into the playoffs when you're going to face really good right-handed pitching to a dominant right-handed lineup who is not the hardest to get out all the time. You have to make every little single play that you're supposed to make to control damage. That's the point, right? Is who's on the mound and it's first and second with nobody out. Man, you have to get at least one out and know what's going on and know where everybody's playing. That's my point. Talk about Alec Manoa, six and two thirds, five hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts, two walks, 99 pitches, 66 strikes after basically spending the morning getting fluids put into his body so he could, so he could pitch as a result of some sort of uh, some sort of stomach bug. 22nd, Kevin. 22nd quality start for Alec Manoa. Um, was there anything Was there anything you saw yesterday? Was there any... Uh, I tried to figure out how to ask. Mm. Was, there any, was there anything you saw from him pitching that made you think that he was under the weather? You know, in other words, no. w- was there any sign that there was any lingering... And if there isn't, what the hell does that well, say the, about the, it? I think the towel between the towel between said, that would tell you a little something. But I mean, when he was right. on, when he was on the, not for me. Yeah, right. I mean, the three ball counts. He had seven of them. I mean, that's that's a few too many. You'd like that to be somewhere around the three or four. The only reason that's never going to be zero is just because he likes to throw the slider, and the two seamer sometimes is non-competitive. And when it's non-competitive, you see the three ball counts. The leadoff hitter. They were three for seven. The home runs against lefties, that's been an issue all year as left-handed hitters. How do you get them out? He did throw 10 change-ups out of those number of pitches that you just mentioned, 33 four-seamers, 30 sliders, 26 sinkers. He's trying to get heavy with the heater. Fastball command was better. The arm side command was better. The arm side has to be good because he wants to throw it to righties and lefties, and the sinker, he wants it to be competitive. 
That's why you see him. He's moved around on the rubber all season is to try and get it started sooner in there to where it breaks, makes it harder for that hitter to take it. Right? You don't want to be able to big man, sneaky heater. I don't want to be able to take that thing as soon as it leaves his hand. I want to have to go hit, 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 take that kind of thing. And that's when you see weak contact, easy outs. But other than the the two, what do you have? He gave up five hits. He gave up three of those with two strikes. That is the thing. I mean, I, if, if you want to pick at anything, which I can't believe I'm even going to try and do this, it may be yesterday the three ball counts. How many did he have? He had seven. Right. Faced 27 batters. So out of those 27, he threw seven three-ball counts, which is, again, what I just mentioned. Yeah. And the lefties. It, growing, and you mentioned, and Bucks meant, mentioned this, how do you throw complete games? Well, the lefties. You, I mean, if I'm a manager, I'm doing the exact same thing because of, of the slider. You're trying to eliminate the slider to get him to throw the sinker and the changeup. So if you're in the offseason, you're Alec Manoa, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, how do I take my game to a whole different level? Okay, well, I know what they're trying to do against me. It's against the lefties. How do I, how am I unpredictable OO, and how am I unpredictable with two strikes? That's the thing against lefties. If he gets better at those two things because he has the invisible, he can pitch up. He's not afraid to pitch in. He's got something in the tank when he needs it. He's mad at you every time you look out there at him. He's like, don't even want to look at him in the eye. All those things. Is he elite yet? Can I say that? Yeah. Is he? I think he is. So you can take. I think he's if, yeah, again, because he is. He's a. I mean, the, the, he the, wants to the be the best. Uh, the final. I mean, I uh, give you a chance every single time out, but dominate doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I think you can say he's elite. I think I think if you want to, because he will, he'll go home and and after the season's over and think about how he gets better. It's that against lefties. How do you how do you how do you get better against lefties? He gave up two homers, both against lefties. A hanging cement mix and slider three two, and the 0-1 hanging changeup that was a little bit middle away to Aranda. Other than that, I mean, how can you argue? He is advertised and he is and I it's very hard for me to say this because he's a pitcher and pitchers used to try to take money off my table he's a remote stopper no, no, whether you're a Jays fan or a baseball fan when he's throwing and it comes along the ticker on every baseball show in the states and in Canada and it says Alec Manoa versus oh Alec Manoa you're going to turn to that game it's pretty cool yeah no he is uh he he really is he really is something and um Absolutely. You know, just when you look at what the potential could have could have been, what could have happened in that doubleheader. Like when we left the studio yesterday, all we knew was Julian Merriweather was going to open. We thought Alec Mo would start the second game, but we were also prepared, I think, for another bullpen game. When you think of where that day could have ended up, and now here are the Jays, uh, what are they? They they statistically tied with with uh, with the Mariners now. Um, no, I think they're in second place. They're in second place, but they're ahead of the Rays in the wild card race. I have to look at it. I, I'll, I'll I might look, be wrong. No, no, no. I'll look at it right here. I got the wild card race. So as of now, going into today, the Jays are eighty and sixty-two. They are in first. They hold the first wild card. Seattle seventy-nine and sixty-two, <laughs> and uh, Tampa Bay is seventy-nine and sixty-two. So all three teams are tied in the loss column. The Jays have played one more game than those other two teams. I did wonder if they had won the first game, yeah. would he have pitched the second game? 
Like you want I, what what else would you do? I don't know. Would you go with Well, you're sort of playing with house money because you know you got it lined up. I'm just saying, would have been an easier way to give him a couple extra days of rest. Yeah. But it might have messed him up too much. I'm I'm just asking. I'm asking the question. No, you it's, got me fish eye you like that. No, it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of that. I I don't know. Maybe he didn't either. I don't know Maybe. what you would do. Yeah. I don't know what you would do. I my sense my my senses of Alec Manoa is healthy or I'm sorry my senses of Alec Manoa doesn't have you know has the flu sure you and if it's bad enough to keep him out of a start you probably assume he's going to need a couple of days the right? only reason I said that is because John Snyder took his closer out with a five-run lead yeah. and brought in Zach pop yeah. in the ninth inning want to that's the only that. reason why it worked I don't care if it's ugly it worked because now you have your closer for tonight and tomorrow. I mean, he's a genius. You think yeah, about it. I mean, it takes what's guts that got, to do it. What's that got to do I, with Manoa? Just, it just says that he's thinking ahead that oh, much okay. that you could do little things and he's not afraid to do them. Is my yeah, I, my, my only thought would be if Manoa isn't good enough to pitch, good wasn't enough, good enough to pitch healthy yesterday, enough. healthy enough to there. pitch yesterday, how sick would he be? And does that mean when would you use him next? That would sure. be my question almost as much as anything. Cause I really, it, it's important that I get, it's important. I get him in against Tampa and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That is the, the, the utmost important thing for me the rest of this year is I need Alec Manoa pitching against the Rays and the Orioles. And don't forget, you want to make those last three games, like you've exactly. said all year, as mean And right nothing. now they don't. Right and now they mean nothing. And you'd rather have him pitching now and give him those days off. Yeah, I'll, although I, I say it means nothing, but how do you play it out if you're the Jays? Let's great let's question. assume that the Yankees are they do win the division. Mm-hmm. How do you play this out if you're the Jays? Now, you've, you've buried the Orioles going into that final weekend, so you don't have to worry about that. But you got Seattle playing the Tigers finishing out the year. I don't know who Tampa finishes out the year with, but Seattle finishes out the year with Red the Tigers. Sox for three. With the Red Sox for three. Now, we've talked about best case scenario for the Jays. Home game against Tampa Bay. Home game against Seattle. I mean, my preference would be ho- being the home team against Tampa Bay. My second choice would be going to Cleveland. And my third choice would be, I just don't want to face Seattle. If I'm the home team, I don't care. You don't who care I, who it is. Absolutely not. If if the Mariners have to come here, I wonder if Robbie Ray is. The Rays um, have, I'm sure he. Will. If he's I, been I'm sure. stabbed yet, I'm jabbed. I mean, certainly. I I mean, it, it looks like if if one of the three teams could line their pitching up perfectly, yeah. it would be the M's just because of that. I right. mean, they're getting the A's, Kansas City, Texas, the A's, and the t- Tigers. Holy they can pretty much like, do whatever I they mean, want. That's like you would gift. certainly think so. Joe West is a former MLB umpire. He's host of 5460, the Joe West podcast. We're going to talk to him about MLB's rules changes. We're going to talk about how crews get picked for the postseason. The crew the Jays have had in this series, which has a couple of young guys and Alfonso Marquez, they've done a really nice job. No question. There, I mean, there have been there have been individual balls and strike calls you could pick out, but by and large... This crew has done a, a a really good job. I could, you know, I mean, I don't want to go off on umpires, but it's it's been a well it's been a well mm-hmm. a well umpired series. We'll talk to Joe West about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. 
Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the fourth game of this five-game series. That does sound odd, doesn't it? What, five-game series between teams? It is. Uh, the fourth of the five-game series between the Jays and Rays. We'll go tonight at 7.07 on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. And um, Ross Stripling will get the call for the Blue Jays. Drew Rasmussen for the Rays. I mean, it's just it's, it's, it's one thing after the other with the Rays. It just is. There's really an, an, they have a good team. Yeah, they do. And no point do you look at the Rays and go, oh, oh thank walk. goodness. Yes, <laughs> he's pitching. Thank goodness. You only get Yoni Chirinos. <laughs> thank goodness. Really? He's right-handed, throws yeah, yeah. hard. But we know that. That's uh, Tomorrow Tomorrow will be a lot of fun. Shane McClanahan and Kevin Gossman will be. That, well, that'll be a lot of fun. Not that's going to be fun. That. Oh, I don't care about the hitters. Oh, you don't? No, I care about the pitchers. That, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier this week about some of the rules changes, or actually all of the rules changes that Major League Baseball is bringing in uh, for next year. Some restrictions on the shift, uh, widening or making the bases larger, the pitch clock. And it's funny because when all of this was talked about, everybody in the media, most of the fans that I've talked to, and almost every former player, they all seem to like these, these changes. The current players, and I think, Barker, you hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. The current players are kind of okay with a couple of them, but they do not like the pitch clock for a variety of reasons. Now, even that differs right? because the guys who have been used to it in the minor leagues, the guys who are coming up, they're kind of saying, you know, once you get used to it, it's like anything else. You adapt, right? Happy to be in the big leagues. Exactly. That you happens. adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question I have is with all these, all these changes, and especially the pitch clock, you've put – more pressure on and put more focus on the umpires. I understand that there will be, you know, the, the pitch clock will be, you, you'll be able to see it publicly. It'll be, it'll be in the, in the stadium, but well, I'm just going to bring uh, Joe West, former MLB umpire and host of 5460, the Joe West podcast on. And Joe, thanks for joining Kevin and myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I just got to ask you this because I, you know, I'm wondering what's going to happen when 45,000, 48,000 people at Yankee Stadium start going 10, 9, 8, 7, and trying to screw up the pitcher's delivery. Because you know that's going to happen, Joe. You know. Is this – how are you, you going to – how are umpires going to deal with this? I, I think they're going to go through a growing process just like everybody else. Uh, I think the, the the crazy thing that a lot of people are missing here is that, that we had a, a pitch clock already, and uh, when we when the umpires would try to enforce it, they would get in trouble because the players were complaining that and the office wouldn't back them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the funny the funny thing is the pitch clock before was 13 seconds; it wasn't 15. Right. So it was even two seconds closer. But uh, and I only did that one time in my life, and it was a Chicago Cubs pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I called a ball on him because he took too long. And I found out after the game, he had a breathing problem. <laughs> he was just trying to catch his breath. And I felt like the biggest jerk in the world. Because I, I, called a, I called a 
called a ball on this guy who had asthma. I, it was terrible. I, here I, I, I'm doing my job, and I call a ball on him, and the Cubs complained a little bit, but not much because they knew he was taking a little long. And then I find out after the game, well, the kid's got asthma. He couldn't breathe. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, these these changes, they're, they're trying to make more action in the game, and and, uh, and we all understand that. I mean, years ago I got – I got chastised for saying something about the Red Sox and the Yankees taking too long to play. I remember that. And, yeah. uh, and uh, what I really said was they've, they have abandoned or not respecting the edict that Bud Selig had put in place to speed up the game. And uh, they took it as, they, well, you don't want to work their games, uh, then go somewhere else. <laughs> of course, at the time, they didn't want to work the games because they were four and five hours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no one but, wants to work uh, that. No. Joe, how but, about the-, uh, the the point? The point is they're trying they're trying to get the game to move along, you know, and I I think some of the fault of this is uh, the the way they're teaching the game to be played. Like uh, the Yankees have this thing about their deal, make them go deep in the count. Well, if you went deep in the count with Tom Seaver after three pitches, you were in the dugout. Mm-hmm. If you went deep in the count with Steve Carlton, you're not going to be at the plate very long because these guys realize that to get to the ninth ninth inning of a ball game, you got to throw strikes, and the pitchers aren't throwing strikes. Uh, I can remember when when they uh, started playing interleague, uh, the 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 American League players were were shocked that because because the National League pitchers were going right at the hitters, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and if you look in, in the course of the games that are played in the last 10, 15 years, these teams that try to move you deep into the count, uh, if you go right at them, you beat them because they're not used to it. They're, they're used to pitchers nibbling and, and throwing the ball outside, see if you'll chase it, you know. And uh, if you go back to the days when the Braves had the great pitching staffs with Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin and so on, you know, they threw strikes mm-hmm. because they wanted to get to the seventh and eighth inning before they brought in the relievers. And I, I think some of this is the fault of how we're, how we're teaching the game to be played because uh, I, I know that the, the better pitchers over the years throw strikes. They don't nibble. I mean, uh, even even pitchers who didn't throw very hard like Randy Jones and Mickey Lolich and those guys, they threw strikes. They knew where they were throwing it. You know, they're not like the guys they throw at 100 miles an hour and have no idea what county it's coming down in. <laughs> but uh, I think I think a lot of this is 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 that we're not coaching these people the right way to play the game. Uh, I can remember, uh, see, my first spring training game ever as a minor league uh, umpire was was in Lakeland, Florida, and I was assigned to the Tigers camp. And their big deal was to have their pitchers throw strikes. And uh, that's how they taught them from the minor leagues up. And and uh, for years, they had very successful pitching. I mean, they they were the ones that brought the bird to the big leagues. Remember Mark mm-hmm. Fidrich and all those guys? So, But, uh, you know, these changes they're putting in, they're trying to get it so that we have more people watching it. Because if, if you watch a game uh, and there's no action, people get bored in it. Now, when I say no action, I don't mean strikeouts. Mm-hmm. because to watch Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale pitch was exciting to see if somebody could just catch up to them. Yeah. And you you go watch a no-hitter. And, and I'll give you a good example. My first game ever in the major leagues, 
I had Phil Necro and Joaquin Andohar pitching <laughs> against each other. Now, Andohar was pitching for the Astros, and he could throw pretty good back then. He, In fact, he was their third starter right. on a staff uh, that that had J.R. Richard and Joe Necro. But I had Phil Necro and Joaquin Andohar, and they threw strikes. And the game was over in an hour and 57 minutes. Joe, big moments. Think about that. Mm-hmm. That's quick. Big moments, Joe. How, how do you think? It's one thing to call that in the first inning, the pitch clock. How about the eighth inning when it's, you know, it's sort of that 15, 16, 17. If you were umpiring in 23, would you call that? Would you have enough nerve, right, standing right behind the pitcher to go, you know what? It's 17 seconds. That's a ball. Would you do that? Yeah, because I was just crazy enough back then that I would do it. <laughs> but, but the, the, and, and here's the other thing that you have to realize, you know, um, and you guys live in uh, the greatest hockey area in the world. When Andy Van Helman came to the major leagues as a hockey official, his first playoff game he called a tripping violation with less than a minute to go in the game. And he got murdered for it. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a tripping violation in the first period or a tripping violation in the last period? Nothing. If you have the rules, you need to play by them. We had, we had Rick Berry on my podcast the other day, and he was talking about the officials in basketball. And he says, I don't like it when they change what they call from the first period to the last period. You can't do that. You have to be consistent in what you're doing. So when you, when you put this in place, there's going to be a growing period in there, and there are going to be arguments over stuff that you think are, are trivial. But they put this in here to speed up the game, and I, you know, I like the fact that they want to speed up the game, but I, I'm, I hate the fact that they didn't tell the commercial people that between innings, mm-hmm. you know, we can cut you back about 15 seconds and save three, four minutes on the game. <laughs> and and here's another thing they're not addressing: the walk-up music. You ever notice how the the player doesn't leave the on deck circle till they play his walk up music? Yeah. I think they put a rule in the, they have a rule in as part of this. Now, when the music that Joe and I, because I remember laughing at this, they put a rule in as to when the music has to begin and when it can stop. So now I think you're going to have, you know, what's going to happen, Joe? The Tampa Bay Rays have an analytics department right now, and they're figuring out what music they can use for their players to maximize their success at home plate. No question. The Rays are doing that, right? You just know the Rays are trying to figure out a way around that. <laughs> well, you, you know what? The, the Rays play the best baseball for the team that has the least superstars you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, they, how, do, how do they get this team together? And you know what? They don't have any egos. Mm-hmm. There's there's no ego in, in their in their in their whole team. They they play hard and they play good, solid baseball. You know, I can remember when they came out with the edict about uh, checking the gloves to see who was cheating, who was had pine tar in their glove and everything. And their manager came to us and said, Hey, all my guys are doing it. Now they know they can't do it. So if you catch them, throw them out. <laughs> You're kidding me. I mean, he said, if you catch them, throw them out, they know better. He said, I'll, I'll ne- I won't say a word. You, they know better. They can't do it. And that was it. And, and, and we didn't catch any one of them, you know? Um, and, and the sad part of it is when they put all that together, uh, they had evidence of somebody on every team cheating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the players got all upset. And that's why they, they went to the umpires that this is what we're going to do. And, and we stopped it. I mean, but there again, 
the office has to back up the umpires. If they don't back up the umpires, this won't work. So, and and I think the office is serious about this. So I, I think it's, it can be a good thing. Uh, is it going to be some growing pains? Yep, there are going to be people kicked out of the game for this. But you have to remember when we put replay in, everybody thought, oh, they got replay now. Nobody will get kicked out of the game. You know, when they put replay in, ejections went up 35%. <laughs> now think about that. Yeah. Now, yeah. do you know why they? You know why they went up thirty five percent? Frustration. The manager would come out and the manager would come out and argue the replay. That was an automatic ejection, so he was gone. Right. <laughs> I've always thought that arguing arguing with the the umpire on the field when the call was made in New York is never. It's never. Yeah. It's never really. Yeah. I, I've never been able to figure to figure that out entirely. Hey, Joe. One of the things we're I seeing. Used to, I used to, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I used to tell the guys we'd just give them the phone number to the replay and have them call us there. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the things we've seen in this series is uh, we've seen some younger umpires getting worked in. Uh, I guess they call them, I don't know, rotation umpires. Um, when, when, when you have a veteran crew and you've got a younger guy coming in, you know, we talk about uh, in baseball there's a lot of you sort of got knowledge of your teammates. So if this guy is here, you automatically know he's going to be here. Like there's that court awareness. Is there the same thing with umpires? You know, do you get used to each other to sort of knowing where one guy is and where the other guy is? And I know there are rules where they're supposed to be, but some guys move faster than others. And is there a, a learning process when you bring a new umpire in? Oh yeah. And, and these guys are starved for, for uh, they really start for knowledge. They 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 praise on the other umpires, whatever they can get in it. And you got it. You got to admit our, our younger umpires as they come up are pretty good. Yeah. And mainly because they've been they've been working with that uh, zone evaluation system. I I would guarantee you that the young umpires are better behind the plate calling pitches than any of our older guys because they grew up in the system. Like you're talking about the pitchers coming up that had a pitch clock. Well, that doesn't bother them because they've been using it for a couple of years. Well, these umpires that are coming up today have been working with that, what you call the modified box that mm-hmm. they have on TV. So they've been doing that for their their extended period in the minor leagues. So they're, they're going to be pretty good on the plate or they wouldn't be here. And then uh, you, you have to look at it. Now, the best thing they can do is go to instant replay and work in New York and see different angles for plays. And that, when we put instant replay in, a lot of our senior guys didn't want it because they said, oh, that's going to take our job. And I'm thinking, no, it's not going to take your job. It's going to save your job because it's going to show how really good you are. Mm-hmm. And the, the, point, the point being, when these kids go to replay, they haven't worked a four-man system. Right. So they're getting to see how all four umpires relate to each other. And it's like on the job training. So that's very good, and it's, it's a very good thing for them to go and sit in replay for a week and see all the different angles and stuff. Because when you get to replay, you're watching everybody's games. Mm-hmm. You're not watching just your game. So you see things, and, and I can remember when we first put replay in, there'd, there'd be, a, okay, there's a replay over here on screen four. The whole staff would go over there and look at it. Now, they wouldn't make a ruling because the one umpire that's sitting in the chair had to make the ruling. But everybody got to see, well, why is this a tough play? Why is it? Could the umpire have been in a better position? And they talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you have eight umpires, and they're talking about. It. I think that's one of the greatest teaching tools that major league umpires have. And you got to realize, the umpires don't have a hitting coach. The umpires don't have a mm-hmm. pitching coach. They have each other, and that's and that's it. 
you know, I, I used to tell Rob Manfred when we'd negotiate the contract, I said, Rob, you play golf. I said, every major golfer in the world pays a million dollars a year for a coach. I said, we don't have one of those. Mm-hmm. I said, if, I said, if, if we miss a play, tell me why I missed it. Don't tell me just you missed it. I need to know why, because there has to be a reason I missed it. And I used to, used to lecture the young kids. I'd say, you know, there's only three ways you can miss a play. Lack of concentration, lack of positioning, and lack of timing. And timing means waiting till the whole thing is over. And these, it, they, they grasp that and they get the simplicity of it. But you, you, you realize that a player can take you out of position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you the most famous call in the World Series was Don Denkinger's play at first base with yep. the Cardinals and who was it, the Royals. Anyway, he ran himself out of position because it was the World Series. He over-hustled and ran himself out of position. He did that to himself. Now, and no one says that. No one talks about what the mistake was. They just say, oh, he missed it. Well, there's a reason. There's a reason. A hitter, a fastball down the middle. Why did he miss it? There's something wrong. Was his timing off? You know, the whole the whole point of this is if you make a mistake, there has to be a reason for it. So let's work on that. And uh and and again, we we make too much out of this. This is this is not rocket science. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but they are human beings, and they're not going to be perfect. You know, Joe. Really good of you to join Great us today. Stuff. Terrific insight, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Joe. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you, guys. You take, take care. care. You Always too. Talk to you. You too, Joe. Thank Joe you. West, former MLB umpire. The podcast is fifty four sixty. The Joe West podcast. He's had Emmy Lou Harris on the podcast. He said Jim McMahon on. You heard him mm-hmm. say he had Rick Barry on. So it's not just a baseball uh, podcast. There's lots of music. Joe West is, sure. is, 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 a, is a singer, is a country singer. Uh, there's a lot of chat about music, and uh, it's 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 a raw. It's it's a lot of fun. It's what you'd expect with an umpire is over five thousand, almost five thousand five hundred career games mm-hmm. talking to people, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a ton of personality in it. So it's called Fifty Sixty, the Joe West podcast. Change is not easy for everybody. I think that's a little bit what Joe is saying is the the change part of it, the relationship yeah. between umpire and player, and that's why I ask about. And it. I'd it's, forgotten. It's, I have to. Admit, I'd forgotten about the the attempt to bring the pitch clock in earlier. Sure. I got to do some reading because I remember that. I remember when it happened. Nobody, nobody liked it. Yeah, it, it's it will be funny to see an umpire try to call the pitch clock. In the eighth or ninth inning, eighth or ninth inning, September twentieth, Yankee Stadium. Oh, and and it's like a you know when the Red Sox are good or something, and they're fighting yeah. for the American League East, oh, and yeah. that's a big pitch, and that could walk in a run, and an umpire goes raises his hand and waves. Uh, you know, <laughs> do you have enough nerve to do it? It's one thing to do it in the first inning; it'd be another thing to do it in the eighth inning. Yeah. And is that fair to umpires? And I'm this is what I'm wondering that's a now because Joe made a good. Joe made a really good point that doesn't get talked about a lot, but we know that um, that playoff games are refereed differently in almost every sport. Sure. Playoff games are refereed differently sure. for a variety of reasons. The difference is, it's if I got a pitch clock here telling me I've got X seconds left to pitch, there's nothing subjective about that. I know that's the time I have left, and that. I, I think that's going to create an issue. It's going to be obvious if a guy blows it. The clock's going to be right there. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you call it? You should be calling it. I... 
Can you call it? It's like milestones, too. It's like if Judge, last at bat of the season, gets punched out trying to hit his 60-second home run or Pujols trying to get his 700 home run. You want, you want to be the umpire to hee-haw? It's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough job. You, you're sometimes you can't win for losing. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it, it's like I said, it's gonna, it, it's gonna bring more. It's, it's going to uh, hatred create more controversy. Look, no, no question. it's just, it's, it's gonna create more. It's gonna create more controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, and and it will look. It, the 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 evidence is there from the minor leagues. It's going to speed up the game. The evidence is there. It's go, it's going to speed up the game. What if somebody good gets hurt? That will be the question. Well, and they come out and say it's because I had to hurry up and throw the baseball. They, then what? They, yeah. But they have allegedly, you know, they've looked at this. They've got their biomechanics people looking at this. And they're saying that that shouldn't be an issue. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been an issue in the minors. Now, of course, the difference is. Money. I would suggest a night uh, a twenty year old kid in his first professional year is probably going to adapt a lot easier than Garrett Cole or somebody who's been in the game for a long time. And now you're saying to them, Kevin Gosman, you I, you know guys that take Alec Manoa takes a long time. He does. You Darvish. I mean, there there are guys who are going to mm-hmm. have to change. There are guys who are going to have to change their games as a result of this. Not change their games, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to pick up the pace as a result of this. Are they going to be comfortable doing it? How do you go about doing that and ensuring that you don't shortchange your 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 rhythm? You don't change your shortchange your motion. I I wonder, and I, you know, we'll try to get somebody on before the season. I wonder if one of the things you're going to see pitchers work on in the off season is their delivery with a clock, with like a, a, a you know working in their delivery with a clock, with the actual alarm going off. If you're too long, Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, both you and Joe, right? It's going to be easy as hell to call on March 2nd or March 4th. October 5th? <laughs> Game 7, World Series. Uh, 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 uh. When everybody's watching. When and everybody's watching. Clock, and there's no number on that little clock. What are and you going to do? Game 7 ends. TikTok, game buddy. 7 ends Jeff because Nelson. of closing. Jeff Nelson. Jeff Nelson. Game, <laughs> game 7 ends because Jeff Nelson sees the closer take <laughs> .05 seconds too long to throw the ball. Oh, Winning run comes in. boy. Your Tampa Bay Rays win the World How Series. How about it? Anyhow. Uh Big day in St. Louis today. Yadier Moline and Adam Wainwright are going to set the record for uh, games started by a battery. Uh, the Cardinals have been a great story this year. They've really taken off since the trade deadline. Albert Pujols has got his eyes set in 700 home runs. He's just three away. Of course, they're atop the NL Central. Um, they've been one of the really interesting, one of the real cool stories this year, frankly. Brad Thompson is a Cardinals pre- and post-game analyst, former Major League pitcher. He'll join us next. Blair and Barker on 590-360. Hello, Mom. Or wherever you get your favorite podcast.